Pearl. These are the audio notes of Dr. Jamie McMillan Berry aboard the DSS Amphitrite. I'm recording these notes for review by the board of the Casita Memorial Research Fund. evidenced by my continuing audio notes, the station hasn't fallen off the trench wall yet. It's been pretty quiet now for about five or six days, I guess. Which reminds me, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this before, but day and night are completely arbitrary down here. The kind of thing that takes a while to sink in. You don't even really think about it until at some point it hits you, and then... You just can't put it out of your mind. Day and night don't have any meaning. For convenience sake, we operate on the same time zone as Guam, 10 hours ahead of GMT, but there's no daylight savings time. I'm still working on getting the conversion to Pacific time stuck in my head. We're 10 hours ahead of GMT, and Pacific is 7 or 8 hours behind, which puts us, what, 17 or 18 hours ahead of Pacific time? Or, wait, does GMT count as another time zone, so it's 19? Anyway, I'm living in the future. And while it's useful to know when the states are awake or asleep, it's more or less academic when it comes to what day and night look like on the station. We're more than far enough down that the level of light remains totally constant, regardless of the hour of the day. By constant, what I mean is non-existent. Just like you can't sail across the ocean and look all the way down to the sea floor, you can't live on the sea floor, or bolted to the side of a deep-sea trench, as the case may be, and see any light coming down from the surface. We've collectively ascribed certain arbitrary boundaries to the concepts of day and night, even though they have no real connection to the state of the world around us. The lights are scheduled to brighten and dim at certain times. Dinner is scheduled for a particular time each day. But what I'm really saying is, six days out of seven... I have almost zero incentive to maintain any kind of constant schedule on a day-to-day -day basis, because the entire concept of day means nothing down here. As long as I'm eating, occasionally exercising, and logging the requisite number of work hours, my time is otherwise more or less my own. Even the exercise is more of a personal commitment than requirement. I really only even have to pay attention to what day it is when it's time for Sabbath prayers. Before coming down here, I talked it over with my rabbi, and... Come... Okay, sure. Don't wait for me to answer. Dr. Peterson, there's something I can do for you? Barry. Sid. <sighs> Dr. Peterson, how many times have I told you my name is not Barry? It's McMillan Barry. Jamie McMillan Barry. Yes, you tell me all the time. Whatever. McMillan Barry. It's been long enough since you were stationed on the Amphitrite that it's time for me to shift from short-term health evaluations to long-term. I need to start keeping track of how your body is adjusting to living in a high-pressure environment for an extended period of time. I feel fine, more or less. What do you need? Blood oxygenation, pulmonary function, bone density... You don't really want the whole list, do you? No, that's... fine. What do you need? Blood pressure? Do you need to draw blood? I can take your blood pressure and do some of the other tests here. For the rest, you'll need to come back to the lab. Okay. Blood pressure. Should I just I know, sit on the couch or... Anywhere you can extend your arm without moving it. 
There is fine. Hold out your arm, set it on the desk, and don't move. Uh, okay. Now hold still. How long is this gonna take? Longer, if you keep talking and don't hold still. I can talk while holding still. Good. Blood pressure 10 over 55. Well within healthy range. Give me your hand. What for? Blood glucose test. Again, hold still. Okay, what are you... What are you ow! <laughs> it's one insignificant little finger prick. I can see why you got stationed at the bottom of the ocean where only a handful of people have to deal with you on a regular basis. I assure you, I find it even less enjoyable than you do. But there's no other environment in which to conduct testing like this, especially long-term testing, except space. And you won't find me volunteering to be shot into space in a tiny capsule balanced on top of thousands of pounds of extremely volatile and flammable liquid fuel anytime soon. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a great time to me either. But I'm surprised. You really dislike the idea of going to space so much more than being stuck down here? Where the smallest breach in the station's hull is guaranteed to kill us, just the same as space would? It's all a matter of scale and probabilities. If something happens that doesn't kill us instantly, there's a far greater potential for survival down here than there is in orbit. Here, all we have to do is make it to the surface under the appropriate decompression protocols. In space, well, things are a little more complicated. Good. Blood pressure with intolerance, blood glucose slightly low, as expected. I'm familiar with what's in your medical record, but just to confirm, have you been diagnosed as pre-diabetic or diabetic by a medical professional? No. Ever been hypoglycemic? Not that I know of. Well, that's certainly for the best. It wouldn't have been healthy for you to be down here if it had been. What? Why? Blood glucose levels tend to be lower than usual in hyperbaric environments. Fine if you tend towards hyperglycemia. Healthy for you, even. But not fine if you already tend toward low blood sugar. Okay. Is that it? For what I can do here, yes. Follow me back to the lab, and I'll do the rest. What? Right now? Do you have any other pressing demands on your time? <sighs> no. Then you can come to my lab for the rest of the testing. Do you do all this testing for the sub-crews who visit the station? How long will it take? Of course I don't do all this for visitors. I told you. This is long-term habituation testing. What does it matter how long it takes? There's electrodes to be put on, and a number of specific measurements to be taken regarding lung capacity and function, but you'll be done well before then. Dr. McMillanberry? I... oh... Dr. Peterson? She's coming with me for some pulmonary function tests. You can talk to her afterwards. There's no need to conduct your testing right this minute. I don't care. I was here first, and I'm not done with my work. You can wait. You're not even doing anything right now. Dr. McMillan Barry can take some time to speak with me before she goes to your lab for the pulmonary testing. Or she can accompany me so I won't be sitting in my lab with my thumbs up my ass for an undetermined length of time while I wait for her arrival. Or she could make her own choices. Thank you very much. Captain Aspros, what is it you wanted to talk to me about? Scheduling. Supply requests and delivery timetables, for example. It's something you'll need to keep aware of in order to function effectively. Right, yes. And that's incredibly time-sensitive. I can see why you barged in here to interrupt my work. Could I do both at once? 
all three of us go to Dr. Peterson's lab and Captain Aspros can tell me about scheduling while I, I don't know, put on the electrodes or whatever? No. Great. Well, it's wonderful to see you two in agreement about something. Dr. Peterson, let me talk to Captain Aspros first and then I'll come by the lab. Fine. So, Captain Aspros, what's so time-sensitive about supply scheduling? Nothing in particular. But you just... All right, sit down. What do you need to tell me? The main thing you must remember when thinking about the ongoing health of the station is lead time. Supply drops are scheduled on a monthly basis. In order to have supplies included in the next drop, you have to file a necessary request form at least two weeks prior to the drop. Sometimes a particularly difficult request can't be accommodated in the next upcoming drop, and will be pushed out for later delivery. Likewise, a monthly drop may be delayed or cancelled. What? Should, should I be taking notes on this? I'll send you over a manual. But considering how often people don't read things like that, I thought it would be best to go over the pertinent details in person. Okay, you might have a point there. Back to missed drops? Sure. We've never had more than one missed drop in a row, but for the sake of redundancy, we always plan to have at least two months' worth of supplies, preferably four. It's too likely that a particularly active hurricane season could cause a delivery issue in successive months, so we need to be able to make it through at least three months without any new supplies. Hang on, if we need three months' worth of supplies at all times, then why did you just say we plan for having two to four? Because if push comes to shove, we've always got the ocean. It wouldn't be pleasant, but if there were an emergency of some sort that lasted several months, we could live for quite a long time on what we can catch and gather from the trench supplemented by multivitamins, of which we have, uh, to be frank, an absurd number. Is, is Mona good at fishing? Is, is that part of her job? Like, emergency fisher person? It's not like fly fishing. We cast out nets, reel them back in, toss out whatever we've caught that's known or likely to be endangered. Haven't you ever wondered where all the fresh fish in the mess was coming from? Oh, I I hadn't thought about it as much. Besides, does it have fins and scales? Well, there you go. As I said, it would be a last resort, but it is an option. Wait, does that... Does that... Has all the fish in the mess been leftovers from Mona's lab? Only the ones known to contain no toxins or venom to worry about. Ugh. I've seen the eldritch horrors in her lab. I didn't realize they were being served out for dinner. Do you need a moment? Or can we get back to the topic at hand? We can. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, two to four months worth of supplies? Requests at least two weeks in advance? Yes. Also, there's only so much room in each supply drop, which means that keeping the station stocked up requires planning ahead. Anticipating the rate at which supplies are being used and dealing with both short-term and long-term needs for each shipment. You know, I've got to be honest, this really seems like a lot more than I need to know. I like to give people the full context, so they can make informed decisions. Also, you strike me as the kind of person who might be interested in how the whole process works. Are you done with Dr. Barry yet? McMillan Barry! We can talk more later. As much as it amuses me, I can only wind up Dr. Peterson so much before they become completely intractable for days. You'd better get over to the lab with them. Okay. Uh, thanks for the information. Take a break from the Vern and the O'Brien to read through the documents I send you, and let me know if you have any questions. 
Sure. Uh, yeah. She's all yours, Doctor. About time. Come on. When you're done, maybe you should think about getting a juice box and lying down for a nice nap. I am not your child. No, you're obviously not. I raised mine to be much better behaved. Well, uh, if anybody needs me, I'll, I'll just be in Dr. Peterson's lab. Finally. Come on, I've been waiting long enough for her to finish up her business with you. Only been a few minutes. A few minutes completely wasted because Captain Aspros wants to yank my chain. So, pulmonary function testing. What does that involve? Locking you in an airtight box and having you go through some breathing exercises. An airtight box? Is that really necessary? Do you know of some other way to accurately measure the amount of air going in and out of someone's lungs? Perhaps something you were taught in English class. Do you know how long it's been since I took anything called English class? Probably about as long as it's been since you took anything called science class. Doubtful. But you get my point. Come in. Sit down. You haven't eaten a large meal recently, have you? No. Coffee this morning? I was just thinking of going to get some when all this started. Good. Step inside the booth, put the mask on over your mouth, and this nose clip over your nose. So should I put on my own mask before assisting others? (sighs) Okay. Nose clip, booth, mask. Should I leave the recorder outside? It doesn't breathe, so it's not affecting the test, and therefore I couldn't care less. Okay, well, I'd rather have my hands free, so... That was... fun. Dr. Peterson had me stand in the booth and do a lot of breathing. Deep breaths in, deep breaths out, rapid breathing, breathing in and out as much air as I could. I thought I was going to hyperventilate, which I'm sure would have made Dr. Peterson even more irritated than they already were. At least I've got some coffee now. Oh, Captain Aspro sent over some example request forms as well as that manual. But... 20-page manual, she mentioned. There's one form from just before I got here, filed by a Nicolette Brown? Wonder what her deal was. But none of this looks that complicated, so that's good. I don't know what the deal is between Peterson and Aspros, but it definitely goes way beyond missing cliff bars and stolen leftovers, that's for sure. All that detail about scheduling... Yeah, it's good to know, but she could have just given me the paperwork for requesting supplies and told me the deadline was two weeks before each drop. I'm not thrilled about being used by those two to try and score annoyance points against each other. Like my own personal rim shot. And it is really warm in here. You'd think if the pipes were going to make this much noise all the time, they'd at least keep the station the appropriate temperature but apparently they're better for comedic timing and waking me up in the middle of the, well, the middle of whenever I've arbitrarily decided to call the night than for actual temperature control. So back to what I was saying about time having no meaning down here. When I talked with my rabbi about how to observe sunset on Friday when both sunset and Friday are functionally imaginary, we decided I'd go off the sunset times for San Francisco, where I was living before I came here. 
Since the station's agreed-upon working definition of time is based on Guam, that means in one sense it'll be midday Saturday for me. Which feels, I don't know, strange, no matter how much I tell myself Saturday is also functionally imaginary. Still, on the other hand, it is a nice reminder that somewhere out there, the sun is going down over the horizon, probably creating a beautiful sunset. Other people are lighting candles and saying prayers. No open flames allowed down here, so no real candles for me. But I've got a few of the battery-powered flickering LED kind. Close enough, right? Whether the candle flame is real or fake isn't the point. The point is the meaning we've collectively ascribed to the ritual. Well, that's probably enough for one arbitrarily defined day. These have been the audio notes of Dr. Daniel Bowen Berry, signing off. Under Pressure is a production of the Procyon Podcast Network. This episode was written by Phoebe Siders and directed by Margaret Clark and Phoebe Siders. The role of Jamie McMillan Berry was played by Madison Schaefer. The role of Dr. Sidney Peterson was played by Jory Taylor. And the role of Captain Phaedra Aspros was played by Danielle Shamaya. The show is edited by Aaron S. and our music is composed by Dominic Wright. To find out more, please visit underpressurepodcast.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at u underscore p underscore podcast or on Tumblr at underpressurepodcast.tumblr.com. If you'd like to support us, the show is on Patreon at patreon.com slash underpressure. Please remember to rate and review. Thank you. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish.